Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your brother, your pet goat, or your friendly starfish friend. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump, or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you. We would love it if you followed us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. When you follow and like our podcast, more people can find us. So the top of the pod question today is actually a joke. Yay! Yay! And I received it in the box that I have here at Wyoming from Wesley. And Wesley asks, what did the right eye say to the left eye? (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> There's something between us that smells. Oh, gross. <laughs> Jill, that was, a, that was a good joke. <laughs> I know. Thanks, Wesley. Do you have a question for us today, Liz? Are you, are you ready to dive in? I am so ready. All right. Let's get going. Um, the question I have today is from Eden. She is nine years old from Ada. And Eden asks, what is the fastest mammal... Do you have a guess? I do. I is it the cheetah? It is All the right. <laughs> the fastest land mammal is the cheetah. Cheetahs can reach a top speed of seventy miles per hour. Whoa! They have lots of awesome adaptations to help them hunt prey and survive in the wild. But uh, you might be surprised to know that cheetahs are not at the top of the food chain. They prefer to hide, especially when a mother cheetah has cubs. The females are solitary and live either alone or with their cubs, and males travel in groups called coalitions. Oh, interesting group name. (laughs) That is. A female cheetah will actually move her cubs every day to protect them from predators, so they never stay in the same spot. As hunters, cheetahs will drag their prey to a secretive spot to eat, and they're always watching for those who would steal their meal. Instead of fighting, which you would think maybe like a lion might do, they would run away if they were threatened. So cheetahs can go from zero to 60 miles per hour in as little as three seconds. That is so fast. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They live in southern and eastern grasslands of Africa, North Africa, and Iran. Farmers in these areas used to hunt the cheetah and considered them like vermin, so like a pest, Mm -hmm. um, because the cheetahs would try to eat goats and other livestock. Yeah, it makes sense. It's prey. Right. The (laughs) cheetah population had dwindled mostly because of habitat loss and hunting, Mm -hmm. but there are educators out there working hard to change the attitudes of the farmers and to help them utilize other methods of preventing cheetahs from hunting on their farms. So there's people out there at work trying to boost those populations. So let's talk about what these amazing mammals can do. First... Their spots help them to hide. So how many spots do you think an average cheetah has on their coat? Do you have a guess? I've never thought about this. Uh, I don't know. A hundred. Oh, I, well, <laughs> I, I read a few cheetah books. About 2,000, oh, actually. Okay. Yeah. They're long. a little far <laughs> off there. 
<laughs> You're so close. <laughs> Their long, lean bodies make them super fast, but they can't run at top speed for very long. They hunt by creeping up really closely to their prey, and then they sprint. If the prey puts on a fight or um, tries to run, they'll likely tire a cheetah out. They can't chase them for very long. Okay. Um, cheetah's spines are flexible, and they use their tails as a rudder. I watch lots of cool videos um, of the way they move their tail to kind of control their body movement. Oh, wow. Cheetah's claws, however, do not retract into their paws when you think of a cat, maybe that lives in your house, Uh they can move their claws in and out. But cheetah's claws stay out all the time. Okay. So they're really grippy when they're running. And they also have those tear tracks on their faces that help reflect the sun while hunting. And their eyes during the daytime can spot prey or trouble up to two miles away. Oh, wow. However, cheetahs are daytime hunters, and their vision is not suitable for nighttime hunting. So they only hunt in the daytime. Okay. They only need to eat about twice a week and can go several days without drinking water. So their body has lots of adaptations for where they live to make them the best hunters they can be. Yeah. However, now we've talked about this before, and I went back and I tried to find when we talked about it, and I couldn't find it. But we talked about how... Cheetahs who live in zoos have comfort animals. Oh, yeah. Do you remember I that? Do. And it, I, I think it was a fast fact. I think it books. was, too. Yeah. When I looked through, we keep a spreadsheet. I couldn't find it where, when we talked about it. But So I'm going to talk about it again because... That's okay. That's wonderful. It's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are a nervous animal, some zoos have adopted emotional support dogs to grow up side oh. by side with baby cheetahs. That's so cute. The dogs provide companionship for the cheetahs, which allow zoo staff to take cheetahs out for educational purposes. So they can use the cheetahs to educate kids at school or whatever, but they bring their dogs with them. And the the cheetahs will look to the dogs and take social cues like a human would with a support animal. Cheetahs are kind of the same way. So if their support dog is relaxed and is you know, at ease, then the cheetah will feel more relaxed and be able to, for the zoo staff to educate them. The San Diego Zoo first paired a cheetah with a dog in 1980. And since then, 15 other zoos have paired cheetahs with support dogs. They they usually use Labradors because they're really sturdy and they can play with the cheetahs. They they don't hurt them, but they can roughhouse right, together, right. and they have a very easygoing nature, which is helpful. So the nervousness of cheetahs is what allows them to evade predators in the wild, but since there's no threat to them when they're in captivity, when they're living in a zoo, they end up with a lot of nervous energy. Okay. So that it makes sense when you think yeah. about it now, yeah. because they are kind of shy, nervous animals. So... Cue the dogs yeah. to help them. I they thought that probably was, wouldn't do well in captivity without they, that. They really yeah. don't. So, but if they have a dog, they feel better. Oh, that is <laughs> dogs are great, aren't they? They really are. So that's a little bit about cheetahs, and then I looked at a couple of other super fast animals just to for a comparison. Yeah. So a couple of other super fast animals: the peregrine falcon. Oh, yep. I found there was a a world record holding peregrine falcon named Frightful that was clocked in a dive. So they fly straight and then they dive down for their prey at 
it was clocked at 242 miles per hour in a 1999 trial. Can you believe that? That (laughs) Which is also really cool to watch if you ever see a, a video of that. They tuck their wings in and they tuck their heads down and they dive really, really fast. That's very cool. It, here in North America, the fastest runners are pronghorn. So they're found in the prairies of North America and Canada. They don't really have predators as they're, they're super fast. But as babies, coyotes are a threat to okay. the pronghorn. In the state of Wyoming, there are more pronghorn than people. Oh. They kind of look like an antelope. But they're most closely related. We talk about what kinds of animals or families that animals are in. They're closely related to the giraffe. Oh, really? Because of their sturdy bodies and their really long legs. Okay. Which I thought was an interesting fact. Yeah. Yeah. So falcon, peregrine falcons, pronghorns, and then sailfish is a really fast fish. It's one of the fastest species over short distances. It can hit a top speed of 68 miles per hour. Oh, wow. Although some sources I looked at put a blue marlin ahead of the sailfish, which can also reach a speed of 68 miles per hour, but both of them super speedy swimmers. So, yeah, lots of really fast animals that we learned about today. But that is extremely exciting. Cheetahs and dogs, still my top choice. Oh, I think so too. Thanks, Eden. Yeah, that is a great question. great okay jill it's time for our fact of the day you know this is a very animal centric pod we have today it is i did not choose an animal fact oh bummer that was silly that's okay but i did we're gonna shift gears a little that's right we're shifting gears but then back to animals (laughs) after uh this is a very cool book it is five thousand awesome objects a history of art for children oh yeah and it's a really it's an oversized book. It's a really big It's book. big, yep, and it's bright orange. And it has so many different kinds of art in here. And I was really pleased that it has art from Nigeria. Not only from Nigeria, but it has several different tribes, uh, their specific art represented in this book. And that is not something that you see no. all the time. Like There's Renaissance art in here, which I was fairly familiar mm-hmm. with and Greek art and things like that, and Egyptian art. Mm-hmm. But this was this was unique to me. So here's the fact. Did you know the first job for the new king of this tribe in Nigeria mm-hmm. would be to commission a bronze sculpture head of the previous king, his father. Mm-hmm. This head would then be placed in a shrine set up to honor the new Oba's predecessor. Huh. So there's just a, a whole bunch of these heads on this page they they look like heads (laughs) and they're very realistic you can really see the characteristics in here so if you were studying this would be a really useful Mm -hmm. art form to look back and see what did these kings look like i like that they're actual photographs too that's really cool i do too yes the the whole book is that actual photographs of art world art so if you if you can't travel to the whole world and see art you can see it in books. Nice. That's so, cool. Yeah. This book was really neat. I, If you're into art, this mm-hmm. is definitely the book for you. And it is in our new art history section. Cool. Nonfiction. It's just the best. It's great. Are you ready with a question over there? Oh, man. I'm, I got a good question. <laughs> I have been thinking and researching and talking about this question 
with all of my coworkers and me here too. at Wyoming and Liz <laughs> nonstop. So I can't wait to tell you not everything I learned because it would take too long, but some things that I learned. I can't wait. Oh. So <laughs> what percentage of bodily loss does a starfish need to die? This is from Oliver, who put his question in here at Wyoming and is sibling to Wesley, who gave us the joke at the top of the pod. <laughs> So thank you, you two. These are great. And this is a wonderful question. Starfish is the common name for sea stars. And I'm going to attempt to say sea stars for the rest of the podcast. I I might accidentally say starfish because sea stars aren't fish. Correct. So that's why they are referred to as sea stars instead of starfish. So they're not fish. They're echinoderms. And there are about 2,000 different species of sea stars. We've been covering a lot of animals without family, but sea stars have a lot of family. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So they're all different. I'm going to do my best to describe kind of what a generic sea star looks like and what they do, but please know that there are plenty of sea stars that look differently or act differently. They can be found in all of the world's oceans, in warm water, in tropical water, in cold water, even in polar regions. The only place they cannot live is fresh water. They only live in salt water. They also can be found in all levels of the ocean. This was interesting to me because I have always thought about sea stars and tide pools, which I've actually seen Mm -hmm. and is super cool. So I thought they just lived in shallow water, but they don't. Mm -hmm. They live in the depths and they can be found even 20,000 feet below the surface. I know. So they live different species all over the place. They're called sea stars because... They look like a star. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So most of them, again, most 2,000 species, have a central disc, which is kind of circular in the middle of their body. And then they'll have five arms coming out from the central disc that makes them look like a star. There are sea stars with a wide variety of arms. And at the end, when I have a few fast facts, I'll talk about a few of those. But for the most part, five arms. Sea stars also vary greatly in size. Many of them are kind of like around the size of a human hand, an adult hand, but they can be really tiny, as small as just like a quarter of an inch. Oh, I know. So cute. I know. I saw a picture of one that was being eaten by a seagull. Oh. So sad. Um, But also adorable. (laughs) And they can get really large. I used a measuring tape to see how big the tallest one was, and it was almost as tall as me. I'm 5'7", and I was like, oh, I would be so scared if there was a sea star this big next to me. So there are sea stars that are that big. Sea stars do not have a backbone, which is something that makes them different from fish. They also do not have brains, but they do have senses. Along their arms, they have tiny tube-like feet, which are sensitive to touch, and they use these tiny little feet to move around. They move fairly slowly, faster than I thought, but still pretty slow. And they move around to catch their prey. Those tiny feet also have suction cups so that they can move up rocks or along rocks. They eat mussels, sea sponges, microalgae, snails, clams, other small animals. They don't have speed. They don't have stealth. They don't have strength. They're cute. (laughs) They're cute. Oh, I actually watched a video of them eating and that was not cute. It was actually scary. Um, (laughs) Ooh, but they're very cool to see in tide pools. Um, so because they don't have speed, stealth, or strength, they have to eat things that don't move, like mussels or clams, or that move really slowly like they do. 
how they eat their prey, that actually varies quite a bit. Again, 2,000 species. But there are several species of sea stars that have a stomach that, this is, this is the so weird part, like horror movie <laughs> stuff here. It exits their mouth, their whole stomach, which is in that center disc, in the center of their body, and it, the stomach just covers their prey. So let's say they're eating a muscle. They just cover the muscle with their stomach, and then a toxin from their stomach goes into the muscle, and it kind of becomes like muscle soup. <laughs> and then they just draw that back into their body with their stomach. Super weird, right? <laughs> it sounds like a scary movie. <laughs> yes, yes. There's other, they will also use like their arm to kind of push food into their mouth. <clears throat> but I thought that stomach coming out thing was fascinating. All right. <laughs> I know. Sea stars, very weird. So this question is about a very cool feature that sea stars have, which not many animals have, and it's regeneration. Regeneration is the process of regrowing a limb or other body parts. So percentages, that was specifically what what he asked was percentage. The biggest problem with answering this question is that there's 2,000 different species and there's 2,000 different answers and I can't give 2,000 different answers today. We we don't have time for that. No, no. I didn't research all 2,000 species. So I'll I'll just give a couple here. Okay. Okay. So... Almost all of them, almost all sea star species can regenerate if there is 50% of the sea star left. Now, it's important to note that that 50% has to include at least half of that important central disc. That's where their stomach is. That's where their mouth is. They can regenerate a broken disc, but it has to be present. They definitely can regenerate if they lose just one of their arms. In fact, that actually is a way that they might protect themselves against a predator is to just let an arm go. Uh, yeah. Like detach? I, yes. <laughs> okay. I did. That is actually something I didn't watch a video of. Oh, so sorry. I watched lots of Sea Star videos, so I don't exactly know what that looks like. But um, yes, they will, they will do that. Um, because they can regenerate an arm. Um, so they definitely can regenerate just an arm or even, you know, two or three arms, but they can regenerate even a full half of themselves. Wow. Yeah. Which is cool. It is. So, but 50% is not the answer because there is, so that's most of them. There, there are actually a few that can't regenerate at all. Poor guys. I know. It's like the rest of your family can do this and you can't. <laughs> Bummer. Um, but this cool species of sea star called Linka sea star, it can regenerate that full disc, including a new digestive system. So this is the smallest percentage of sea star can regenerate. This sea star has five or six arms. So it's like one fifth of a sea star. That's all it needs. Just <laughs> one arm and it can regenerate itself from one arm. So it's really important with this particular one that the arm that's left, that it's going to regenerate itself from, is very healthy because it can't eat while it's regenerating that disc because it doesn't have a mouth and it doesn't have a stomach. So it has to regenerate that and use the energy that's stored inside that arm in order to create that central disc. The sea star arms all have the important 
organs in them. Each arm. Wow. Yeah. Has what is needed to create that central desk. So that's the smallest amount is one One arm. arm. Yeah. But it's just one, this one particular species. Most of them need more than that. Mm -hmm. It is interesting to note that there are some species that if you cut them in half, can regenerate two new sea stars out of that because they each have enough of the disc to go ahead and just repair that disc and create a new sea star. So there was a a time when there were some invasive species. Um, I I can't remember exactly where this, this, I've read so much sea star facts (laughs) over the last two weeks. I can't stop. It's, It's amazing sea star facts. So what fishermen were doing to try and control this invasive sea star population was chopping them in half and throwing them back in the water. Oh, but doesn't that just make more? Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, oh, but there are some sea stars that the, or other creatures too that that would work for, but not that particular not that one. species, yes. It's creating more problems. I know. So there's your answer, Oliver. It varies by species, but the smallest amount is one healthy arm. Okay. It's just wow. crazy. One healthy Thank arm. Thank you for sharing that. All I know. <laughs> That's okay, great. but I have some sea oh, star species yeah. facts. Do you want all 2,000? <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, I have three. I have three. Okay. Go. Okay. <laughs> the first one is the sunflower sea star. And first of all, I highly recommend that you go look at pictures of each one of these because they all look very different than what you picture as a normal sea star, and they're cool. So the sunflower sea star is one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. It's about two feet in diameter. And it has 16 to 24 arms. Wow. I know. It's, like a sunflower. Yes, it's bright sense. It's bright yellow and it has arms all around it. So wow. it really looks like a sunflower. Cool. So it's cool. Yeah. Okay. The next one is the crown of thorns sea star. Yeah. This is another big one. It's even bigger than the sunflower sea star. It's about three feet in a diameter. Almost, almost four. Some of them can be. This one has... Venomous, spiky spines all over it. Don't swim by him. I love venomous animals. I really do. <laughs> and it is also different from other sea stars. This one's really unique because its central disc is very large compared to its arms. So when you look at it, it kind of more looks like, like a sea anemone because it doesn't have that distinctive arm look because the disc is so large. And it can eat a ton because of that big nice. mouth and stomach. Okay, this third one is so exciting. It's called the chocolate chip sea star. I know. It's called this because if you look down at it from the top, it looks like it's covered in chocolate chips. Okay. Like little. Yep, little chocolate chips right on it, like decoratively placed. (laughs) But they're actually spikes and they protect the sea star from predators. And because they have this cool built-in protection, they also protect other species of sea creatures that live on its back Aww, in the spikes. Wow. I know. That's great. Oh, man. I just am a wealth of <laughs> sea star knowledge now, and I got to get it under control here and let you talk about what you're reading. Okay. <laughs> that was great. It's not, a, it's not a book about sea stars, though. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> this book that I wanted to talk about, it's a chapter book. It's called Maya and the Robot. It's by Eve L. Ewing, and it's illustrated by Christine Almeida. So it is a chapter book. It has some illustrations kind of sprinkled throughout. It's not, a, it's not like a graphic novel. It's mostly actual words on pages, but there are um, some great illustrations too. So 
Maya is in fifth grade, and her school year is starting off on the wrong foot. Both of her best friends since kindergarten are not in her class this year. They have the cool teacher, and she has the strict teacher. Oh, no. Ugh, doesn't that? It just starts off bad. Yeah. The one, this teacher calls, her name's Maya. Her first name is actually Patricia, but she goes by her middle name, Maya. But on the first day, the teacher calls her Patricia, and she's so shy that she does not correct her. Oh, so then no. the teacher just keeps calling her that. Oh, and there's a mean girl in her class that's giving her problems. So things are not going great. But things start to turn around when she's helping. Um, there's a neighborhood store, Mr. Mac's neighborhood store, and she finds a real honest-to-goodness robot in the storage room. Oh, Maya loves science and is eager to take on this project that Mr. Mac's son started but couldn't finish. But she is determined to bring Ralph the robot to life. He's a robot that can speak and do Maya's chores and help around the house. <laughs> That's great. What could go wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> um, it turns out a lot of things can go wrong when you're making a robot. But I listened to the audiobook and then I actually borrowed the book book too because I wanted to see the illustrations. But um, Maya is super spunky and she's smart and she loves math and science. Um, the illustrations really bring the story to life. It's funny. I learned some things. Um, and I did actually, when I listened to the audio, I listened to it like in two sittings. You know, do you oh, ever, yeah. I'm a big yes. audiobook listener. It was mm-hmm. one where I would sit in the car and listen to it, right. <laughs> even when I got to the place I was going. Yeah, you're like, I can't um, quit listening. Yeah, it's really funny. It's heartwarming. It's a family story. I recommend either listening or reading to Maya, Maya and the Robot, or do both. You could listen and read along as well. Highly like recommend. Idea. Yeah, it was a great story. Wow. All right. I guess... I guess that's it. That was fast. I know. It felt fast. Time for what we learned today. <laughs> what did you learn? Do you want to go first? Yeah, Do you I'll have go something? first. I'll okay. go first. Okay. I First of all, I just, I don't know if you know this about me, but when I was a kid, I wanted to be a large cat trainer. Oh. That's not a job, I don't think, but it's what I wanted. And so anytime we have any opportunity to talk about large cats, I, I just loved everything about cheetahs. <sighs> cheetahs are a medium cat though, aren't they? Um, well, they're big, but they're like long and skinny. So yeah. they don't, they don't, don't look bulky like a lion or a tiger. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're really cool and I love them. Really and I just used to think, what if I lived in a cat sanctuary <laughs> and there was tigers and lions and cheetahs and everything. Great. So, but my favorite fact, and it isn't even a renewal fact, but was about <laughs> cheetahs and their support dogs. Although oh. I think it was a new fact to me that they do educational visits together that was that was new so that was awesome I love learning that oh my I watched a lot of cheetah videos (laughs) with their little dogs laying well they're not little but you know with their companion dogs laying with them and it was very (sighs) animal friends it's very heartwarming I love animal friends (laughs) oh I learned something today too I learned a lot about sea stars um I think my favorite fact was the stomach coming out and like dissolving whatever they're going to eat. So strange, right? (laughs) Like I half want to watch a video of it, but half probably don't want to watch a video of it. Just Um, be prepared. 
Yeah. It's creepy. It is. But yeah. nature is fascinating. Nature is super fascinating. And it, watching a video of them just even moving is yeah. kind of creepy. Yeah. Because I really only think of them, like you said, in tide pools where they're yeah. just kind of stuck on a rock there, or yeah. like in Nemo and stuck on the side <laughs> exactly. of the glass. You don't think about them moving so much. So fascinating. Oh, I know. Okay. I guess, I guess that's it. We did it. Okay. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about cheetahs and sea stars and all of the fascinating things in the world around us. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune into the next episode where we answer even more of your questions. Huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.